podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Feeling stuck in your current job? Looking for a career pivot? Are you a proven leader looking to step up? The University of Maryland's Robert H. Smith School of Business prepares students to meet challenges, solve problems, and obtain a profound understanding of how to operate in the modern economy. With MBA and MS programs offering flexible options to fit your lifestyle and goals. GMAT and GRE not required. Learn more today at go.umd.edu slash smithschool. University of Maryland Smith School of Business. Inspired. Fearless. Unstoppable. by Jim Orr, although we can't see him there. Kelvin, if you're in the background, if you can maybe try help Jim out there, that'd be grand. And I'm joined as always, well, as always, for a change today, <laughs> by Russell Boyce. How you doing, Russell? Oh, I'm good. I'm not be sick of the sight of me now, Laura. That's me being on about 14 times this week, you know what I mean? But hey, I, I hear you're after my job. Yeah, <laughs> well, there's a wee bit of truth in that, maybe. But no, just I'm um, a bit of a, a glory hunter, you know what I mean? So we won a few awards. I thought better get on the after show, you know what I mean? To smugly smile at the camera. <laughs> well, exactly. First things first. For anybody that doesn't know, you are watching a double award winning, a triple award winning, if you like. We got two golds and a bronze at last night's Football Content Awards in London. Uh, Paul, Tony and Lawrence were down there to represent the whole team and we've picked up three gongs as you might have seen on our socials. So first thing I want to say to everybody watching this, whether you're on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, wherever you're watching this, thank you so much. It's your votes that win us that award. It's your votes that mean that we are able to celebrate this way that we have done and it's you watching this that lets us do what we love to do. Jim, you're back with us. We can see and hear you hopefully. How are you doing? Can you hear me? Yeah, ten times better, mate. <laughs> okay, good. Clear, clear as a bell, clear as a bell. But Russell, good. I'll come to you. Come to you first. Uh, what was your reaction to last night and the news filtering through? I had the had the live feed on with the the awards ceremony coming through, and it was it was a bit crazy, really, just watching it all come in. Yeah, I mean, I think we were up for three. You were you was it took one, you know, before the ball was kicked. You would have accepted if we won one. I thought that would be. One heck of an achievement. You'll need to look at the other sort of uh, clubs and all that that are sort of we were in competition with that have their own sort of fan media platforms and stuff. So, yeah, we were in tough competition, but we shone through. The fans made their voices heard. Uh, I'm extremely grateful as well. I mean, at the time, I was like kind of like buzzing, shaking sort of when we won the first one. And then the second one just seemed to come, you know, like like Celtic conceded a second goal in Europe, right on the back of it. It was just... <laughs> It was right away, so it was quite hard to process exactly what was happening, but I think as the night went on and you've seen who else is winning awards, you've seen like Sky Sports winning awards and things like that, you sort of, you realise the scale and the enormity of, of what's been achieved and, you know, just a big thanks to everyone in the team who's contributed. We all have our differences in the WhatsApp group chat, etc., and difference of opinion, but that's what makes a great show that can last you know, over you know over seven days a lot of the time when you take into in consideration the, the the match fixtures and stuff and the, the coverage we do for those. So 
you know, to try and put out content on a daily basis isn't easy. And if we all agreed on everything, it would be a very boring world. So, no, I think it's a great reflection on the team. And obviously, a special mention to Paul, who's obviously pulled all this together and managed to orchestrate it, you know, for the past 12 months in such a, such a strong manner. Yeah, Paul is somewhere on a train between here and London, I believe. Uh, so that's why he's not with us today. Uh, but yeah, he's the he's the man who started it all. I believe him and Kevin Graham started it in their kitchen, and it's gone from from there to to a roster of you know fifteen odd contributors, something like that, uh, seven days a week, pretty much giving out content. So it's, it's been crazy. Jim, what did you make? What was your reaction to to the awards coming in and your reflections on it? Uh, in terms of where the podcast is? Yeah, I was I was playing football last night. I got home at half ten and switched on the phone. There was like 85 messages or something like that. I know how that kind of churns away. And it was mm-hmm. all yes and uh, swear word, yes. And <laughs> so I thought, this was must be not a bad night for the guys. And then just took my time to kind of scroll through it. And yeah, phenomenal achievement. I mean, all this is all down to Paul John Dykes. This, is his, this was his vision. This was his baby. He took an idea and he built it into something that you know thousands of people get a great deal of enjoyment out of. Uh, and don't underestimate, you know, the thousands of hours that he puts in. I mean, I think we play a very, very small part in this. You know, this will survive without us. But Paul John, he's he's the main man. I mean, you threw it to Keith, what you know, six, seven days a week. He's only pulling in 12, 12 hour days in there. Uh, when I first heard of a Celtic State, I mean, I just, I just thought, what a fantastic name. You know, I mm. think it's got. I think he's got a few unique selling points, and that's certainly one of them. Uh, you know, what is a a podcast about? Something to give your opinions on and your views on, and what do you think? Speak your mind. It's about Celtic, so it just, it just, you know, it's kind of a, it does what it says in the tin. And obviously, there's thousands of podcasts out there. So, what differentiates, I think, a Celtic state of mind? One of the things is the name, because when you look at other podcasts, other Celtic podcasts, you know, boys and and, and Tim's and Celts and all that kind of stuff. But we're fine, absolutely fine, but. I think it's a very powerful message, you know, a Celtic state of mind. The other thing I think it separates from the other ones is the amount that's on it, just the sheer volume of things that's on it. As you said, Russell, you know, six, seven days a week of content. Um, you said, Laura, 15, maybe 16 different people involved in this. Mm. A sheer range of people involved because, again, I, I don't I don't tell you watch many podcasts, but the ones I do tend to be, it's the same, same maybe two, three, four people that are on all the time. Another thing I think is very good is actually the, the diversity of the people who are on it. So if, if you go from the, the kind of uh, the very young, intelligent, articulate Amy Canavans and, and Declan McConville's to the maybe the other side of the school where people who have seen a lot of things <laughs> are on it as well. You know, so uh, I think it's, it's it's tremendous recognition for the hard work that Paul has done over a number of years and to be recognised by the top people in the game in the UK, I think is it's quite phenomenal. And I think uh, no doubt Paul will build on that over the next year because you have to keep changing and moving, you know, shaking up the menu and whatever. So I think things might be different in 12 months' time, but hopefully, again, they're up for a few more awards. And in fact, I was surprised at the award that we didn't get, which I thought was the one we're most likely to get, was one about the, the best charity award. I thought maybe that was a, maybe maybe the favourite of the three. And then when I was scrolling through the things and I thought, well, I've won the first two, I could definitely win the first third one, surely. And then, but maybe that would have been an, an unpopular choice to maybe scoop all these awards. But, but a phenomenal effort, and it's all down to all down to Paul John Dykes and the and the long may continue. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I was delighted with the two awards, the, the best charitable awards, uh, you know, I, my personal opinion on that was if there was one that, you know, anybody any of the contributors deserved to win it was that one yeah I think yeah. it was Gunner, Gunners versus Cancer that won the gold one and there's lots of great work being done by lots of different clubs so um, great to even just be included in that Russell I, I don't tend to like to like blow our own trumpet but if we can't do it on a day like today when can we do it I think the feedback that I've been getting from people is you know, it's no coincidence that we grew as much as we did as a channel and as a podcast during lockdown, during COVID, the pandemic, and a time when everybody was stuck in their houses. People have given the feedback to me that it's a bit like when you can't go to the pub and have a chat with your mates about the game, this is, you know, while while not exactly the same, it's it's a good enough substitute until that returns. 
is that kind of the vibe that you've got from it that you feel it's given you? I, I mean, I think there's, I think that the beauty of the bulletin has been the fact that each show kind of takes on its own entity. Like, you know, on a Thursday, for example, I love a Thursday show because you know there's going to be one trip at least down memory lane with JP from like a European adventure he's been on and stuff that you're not getting in the other four days. You know it's going to be a wee bit more feisty maybe on a Monday with me and Tony because it's usually on the back of a bad result. Um, <laughs> well, the past 12 months anyway. Um, I think I think since I started doing this, we've still only won four times, I think, on a, on a Sunday or something. It's mad. Um, so, yeah, I think each day has got its own identity and that's what's kept it fresh and vibrant. I agree with what Jim says. Obviously, that needs to carry on happening. Conversation down a pub style, I think there is a bit of that, I think, because when you've got a completely different demographic of contributors, that makes them all relatable to the viewers because, you know, for, for every older, you know, viewer watching it out who can relate to Jim, there'll be someone who's at uni right now that can relate to Declan, do you know what I mean? There'll be someone who wears Adidas tracky tops that probably still can relate to me. Mm. It's just the way it goes. <laughs> um, so I think that they've got a good variation on it. I think as well with the, with the podcast getting the, the, the respect that it deserves, I think that'll encourage Paul to, you know, look at the fully produced shows that he's been doing, like the, the retrospective, Scream of Selka, things like that, that are all, remember, branch-offs of Axon, which is quite remarkable when you think about we're now doing fully produced shows with ex-Celtic players and, you know, Scream of Selka, more sort of fun and, and trips down memory lane with that, with, you know, with music tied in. But they're all branch-offs of what essentially is, you know, a, a bulletin of three three volunteers talking about Celtic, you know, you can't, you can't beat it. No, you definitely can't beat it. I'm glad I think in terms of, Laura, sorry, just in terms of that question you posed about, you know, is it, is it similar to your mates down the pub? It all depends on your mates. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, uh, yeah, I think in, in terms of the match day bulletins, they're extremely good. I think virtually every Celtic fan I know, which not that many, will all tune into Axon before the game, during the game and after the game. And, and, and the more people I speak to, that's what they say as well. You know, whether watching the game in Sky or the past to paradise or they're at the games themselves, you know, before, during and after because they just like to hear their Celtic fans talk about Celtic. And then I think, you know, there's also a wee bit of it when you listen to maybe the kind of mainstream radio stations, you get a wee bit annoyed at some of the kind of uh, content of them. And uh, it's certainly good and refreshing, I think, when you, when you get to hear fellow Celtic fans talk about Celtic. And, and it's not all sugar-coated, as well, and I think there's a, there's, a, there's usually a pretty good balance between the uh, you know uh, not going over the top when things are you know good or things are bad. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's been it's been it's been really good. It has been absolutely great. And Jim, just to, to pick up on that point, talking about sugar coating and positives and negatives, I think the I think the great thing, like what you were saying about the 85 messages that came through, it was really obvious that we were seeing the positive side of things last night. Too often we focus on the negatives of being online and being on social media, but last night really brought out the positive side of of being on this podcast and seeing how many followers we have that really enjoy what we do, doesn't it? I mean, don't underestimate the achievement. You said hmm. the competition was in there, and there, there, are, there are thousands and thousands of podcasts out there. And even if you were the base podcast in Dalkeith, that would be good, you know, but they've actually taken on, you know, international <laughs> podcasts and won, and won. And it's a huge, uh, huge achievement for Paul John. Uh, it's, it's, mm. it's astonishing, and, and, you can, and you can milk that for all it's worth because, uh, you know, they've actually won something in that competition. Phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely phenomenal. If I'm not mistaken, I think, uh, I think Open Goal were in one of the one of the categories that we were in and obviously they're not long having just sold out the hydro so that's the kind of scale of podcast that we're up against and, and it's thanks to everybody watching this podcast that picked up their phones and, and I was going to say called in and voted for us that's a child of the <laughs> 90s talking went online and voted for us uh, I think also Laura when you see the amount of money that's behind some of these other podcasts you know it's you know, a lot of money getting pulled into other podcasts who didn't win you know and it's that kind of David and Goliath, kind of, you know, the kind of underdog has kind of came to the fore. So, Mr. Dykes will have to run very fast to keep that going. So, that's his, that's, his, that's a Pepsi challenge for next year, I think. It is indeed. Uh, who knows? Uh, Andrew will have a job to do to 
achieve more in his next 12 months than Paul John Dykes already has. So we'll see where mm. it goes. Chris Fraser on YouTube says Paul John Dykes is a legend. He absolutely is. Paddy Lavery on YouTube says when's the Open Top Bus Tour. I don't know when the Open Top Bus Tour is, but I know who's going to be driving the bus, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but enough of this patting ourselves in the back. I'm sure you're all fed up hearing it and you want to get back to talking about things that are more important, like Celtic, which is what we're here to do. So obviously we've got the return to action after the international break. Uh, we're facing uh, Motherwell at Fur Park this weekend. Before we get on to looking at the game itself, Russell, um, what kind of a position do you feel we're in? We, we were worried before um, the international break that we w- might have the bad fortune that we've had previously and have people come back with injuries and stuff. We look as if we're coming back you know, relatively unscathed, um, even considering we had Rodjic and Furuhashi playing against each other. <laughs> so what do you make of the position that we're in now? Um, do you think we're coming back kind of as strong as we were before the international break? I think if anything, we're a wee bit stronger because um, I think the players that didn't go away from the international break have had that extra time to sort of get used to Angie's style of football. He's maybe been able to work a wee bit more intensely with those players as well. Um, we were talking yesterday about it was a shame Liam Scales missed out on that opportunity because we know Angie didn't feel he was quite ready yet, but that's one of those things. But I certainly think now with players coming back to fitness, other players having now an extra week or two to get up to speed and work with Ange closer, then obviously, as you rightfully point out, it seems that we've came back for the the, the players that were on international duty seem to have came back without any injuries at all to report. So for me, the squad's now looking as close to minus Julian, as strong as what we could expect it to be at this stage, having only done one window. I don't particularly think it's a... It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Spring training is right around the corner. So come for the games and have a ball in Arizona. With world-class resorts, unbeatable dining and nightlife, amazing scenery, and endless outdoor adventure. Make your visit unforgettable. Plan your getaway at myspringtraining.com. It's as weak a squad as people make out either, if I'm honest to you. I think with all the players that, when you actually get everyone available for selection, I think the competition is is quite healthy um, in a lot of areas of the park. And, you know, I, I think whilst you know, there's doubt about the midfield position right now, I'm sure we'll come to all these things anyway, but I actually happened to think, you know, this time last year we were crying out for Sorrow to play, mm. you know, and he impressed this time last year. And I think there's still a player in there somewhere. I just think he's he, he's just a bit of a headless chicken now. But I think James McCarthy coming in, I think, again, a lot of people would have been quite for that if you can get him fit. He's had another two weeks now at it, you know, working under Ange. I don't think he was away in international duty, was he? No, I don't think so, no. I don't think he was. So if he's had another two weeks in his legs, hopefully he's going to be looking more up to speed. Again, I think he was, he'd be an option we would have seen as quite attractive, you know, you know, a year ago. So I think in all areas of the park, we have we have strengthened to an extent. I'm not saying by any stretch it's the finished article, the squad. Um, but I certainly think now that everyone's getting back to full fitness, you know, it's time to, it's time to capitalise on that and, and let's see what we're made of. It's an interesting point, Jim. Is it something you agree with, Russell, there? I mean, I think we've been so used to over the past year saying that the squad's depleted, we need a clear out, we need more numbers. But actually, when you look at it on paper, as Russell says, if we can get everybody back fit, 
there are plenty of choices there. I think Ange has been dead unlucky with injuries at the start of the season. Lots of players out, and so you can maybe kind of hide behind that a wee bit. If Juranovic is back, and if Forrest is back, and if Julian is close to being back, and if nobody comes back for international break with any injuries, I think we've won a watch, and we've got a kind of chance to move on. Uh, it's a huge game tomorrow, massive game. Because uh, I feel after, like I said last week, after the United game, I was fairly upbeat, even though we dropped points, because I hope we played well. Against Bayer, I thought it was fairly upbeat because I thought we played good in parts of the game. But after that, Aberdeen, I was I was I was quite concerned because uh, I thought we were lucky, you know. And the, the people use that phrase "win ugly," which I don't like. I don't think it makes any sense. I think you I think you win lucky. I think at Aberdeen uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were we were lucky. The game could have went either way, and we just managed to sneak it. Uh, so that was a concern because I've also said in previous podcasts that is that when you when you when you take the summer. If, if, if you add up the individual players, for me, they're kind of less than the sum of the parts. Mm. So, so I'm now kind of, kind of getting into the kind of phase of starting to question Ange a wee bit. You know, I don't blame him for this season, don't get me wrong. I mean, we are here because of law and this dysfunctional board. And if we don't win the league, it's their fault. But he's been thrown in there. He's now got, you know, the squad of, you know, there's a lot of international players in there, talented players and guys to come back. So I'm now looking at him to see who he's picking for the games and, 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 and who's playing where kind of thing. and if he's got a bigger choice now I think we we maybe start to maybe be able to question Ange because when he first jumped in he'd nobody you know so near mm. Beaton gets sent off against Mitchell and 19 year old kid who had never heard of what's on the, on the park you know so so now we've got players you know who, who, who should be able to do a job and if they're not contributing they're out we get somebody else in so I think it's, it's, it's a huge game for Ange Tomorrow, and if he has got more people to to choose from, it'll be interesting to see who he picks tomorrow. I think that's the the, the thing that uh, sort of gets folk up for the game or dejected before it even starts. Quite often, Russell is when they see the lineup, they either totally agree with changes that have been made or start to question them. And I think that is, you know, for all for all that we want to be behind Ange and the style that he's trying to play, there are certainly, or there have certainly been occasions where, you know, it, regardless of the position he's in, as Jim says, and, the, and the, the hand of luck he's been dealt, there have been times where his selection has been the problem, and that is down to him. No, absolutely, of course. And the thing is as well, there's always going to be debates when, you know, the lineups, you know, announced in the formation, we see that and we go, oh, I don't agree with that. Sometimes that can be a good thing because it means the competition's healthy. Yeah. Sometimes it can be, oh, that was staring you in the face, or why is Kyogo out wide left, for example, or something like that, you know, eyebrows. That that those are frustrating ones, but you knew his options were still limited at that time. So perhaps like Jim says, he got more of a more of a free pass at that point. But I think with all the players coming back now, the onus will be on him. You've got I'm not saying all the tools that he would like he would have liked. I'm not gonna suggest that. And he certainly doesn't have the, the staff around him. But I certainly think as a pool of players, he's the envy of Scotland right now, bar perhaps the Rangers squad. You know, which I don't think there's much between them, man for man. Although, albeit they've got the title and they would rightfully say theirs is better than ours. Fair enough. But I certainly don't think there's a, you know, there's, there's a huge gap in terms of the quality between the two squads right now. And it's now up to Ange how he utilises his tools. Um, so I'm not saying that putting pressure on him uh, uh, either. It may well be he will go on a fantastic run of results right now and say, I told you, once I got all the players back and once I had the tools and once I had a wee bit of time to work with them, it'll come off. So it's not like this is keeping try to keep pressure on him and say, oh, you've got all the tools, make it work right now straight away. I just think that the competition we've got right now is healthier than it's been all season. Uh, he's had now, what, three months since he took over, something like that. He's had a wee, you know, it's a... Con it's a more considerable period now. And like I was saying yesterday, we've got five domestic games before the next international fixture. It'll be very intriguing to see if we can pick up a far higher point percentage in those five games than what we did in the opening segment of the, the SPFL season. Mm. And just, just thinking about what you said there, he's, he's officially lasted longer than Don McKay now, so that's that's one thing, in his, <laughs> one feather in his cap. Just before I come back to Jim, um, Russell, I just wanted to... Um, raise this to you. It's a comment from Brian Watt on YouTube. And remember, everybody, you can comment on YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, LinkedIn, wherever you are watching. We just happen to see the YouTube comments most often because those are the ones that are 
in the highest volume. Um, but Russell, Brian Watt says Sorrow just doesn't seem like he's suited to a team who dominate possession because he's not good enough on the ball. He's a primarily a ball winner and he seems to have even mm. regressed in that. I just wanted to raise that to you because you'd mentioned Sorrow before. We've gone from wanting him in the team to to kind of wanting any mm. other option. What do you think is the main reason for that kind of change in attitude towards Sorrow? Well, to steal a phrase that Jim would use, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. <laughs> that Soros' performances have maybe slightly regressed, but not to the level people are saying. I certainly think he can handle us dominating the ball. Do you know what I mean? I don't think that will be a problem. I actually think at times his passing can look quite direct, quite crisp. Um, other times, I think it's actually off the ball that he's causing me more concern of late. Mm. has been when he's been chasing down guys in areas that are non, like not really a threat. We'll be just in our, inside our own half, for example, and he'll be clipping at someone's heels, you know, harassing them. And I'm all for putting pressure on whoever's got the ball. But it, there doesn't need to always be contact. Do you know what I mean? There's a slight difference there. I don't think... What Soros shown me is he's eager, he's enthusiastic. He definitely can make a tackle when it's needed, but he's not streetwise. And that's something he needs to learn. He needs to get streetwise. But as for being on the ball, I've not really got any concerns. I would kind of slightly disagree with that. I know we're on a day of positivity, so don't disagree with any viewers. But I happen to think his ball retention would be the least of my worries. It's knowing when to make a tackle and knowing when to just shadow a player and keep them under pressure. Because I think he's got bags of energy. I think he certainly could suit a pressing game, easy peasy. It's just knowing when to time your runs, knowing when to, when to, as I say, put your foot in and when not to. Right now he seems to be prone to putting his foot in at every single whether it's a 50-50, a 30-70, a 10-90, you name it. He's putting his foot in there, you know, as long as he's got a tiny chance of winning that ball. And I think with experience, with age, and, you know, the longer he is at Celtic, then hopefully we can get that ironed out. Because I, I do still think I've seen too many positives from him last season, mm-hmm. particularly in the latter half of 2020, that gave me too much encouragement for me to give up on him just quite yet, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I have to say I'm more on your side of things than Brian's. And again, Brian, thank you for watching. Thank you for commenting. We we mean no harm, but yeah. Thanks I'm for voting, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jim, what's your thoughts on it? Are you on, more on Brian's side of things? Do you think that Sorrow is uh, a better <clears throat> ball player, um, or, or sorry, a better ball winner, and that he's on the ball play is, is poorer? Or are you with Russell and see it more the other way around? I think for answer that, just to follow up a point Russell made there about the big chap being under pressure. Big chap's under a lot of pressure and you saw that at the end of the Aberdeen game, you saw that in his face, you saw that in his body language with the, with the fist pumps. He knows he's under pressure, you know. And, yeah. and I think the Aberdeen game, just to kind of hark back to that, was maybe maybe the Livingston game as well, is that you, you could point to the United game and point to the Bayern game and say, you know what, we actually played well there, unlucky. The Aberdeen game, there was, there was nothing to look at to say that's my kind of football. And he, and he, and he knew he got to jail there. You know, so he's under pressure. He knows that. As far as Soros concerned, I don't think Soros is good enough to be in the starting 11. Uh, he's somebody who you'd want to bring on to try and kind of show up again. But because, as Russell said, he's not particularly streetwise. So, so would you bring him on to show up again? I'm not so sure you would do that either. So for me, I'm not exactly sure where Soros fits into the greater scheme of things. I think. We should have better players than Sorrow. McCarthy should be a better player than Sorrow. He hasn't shown it yet. But given his, you know, his what he's done in the game, one would imagine that he's a better option than Sorrow. I think Beaton is a better option than Sorrow. I actually think that if Beaton hadn't got sent off against Mitchelland, I, I, I think Beaton would be our centre-back just now. I think the mm. fact that he let us down that game, I kind of thought, I can't depend on this guy. Because I think he's a kind of Ange-type player. Big, big guy, uh, likes a pass, uh, knows what he's doing, looks quite composed, makes daft mistakes. So then once he starts making daft mistakes, we can't depend on you anymore. Ibrooks last year, Mitchell in there. But I think if he had done okay, I think he's the type of player would have played. I don't mind him in midfield. Uh, but I thought with Ange, it was all about a style of play. So do you, do you vary that from home to away matches? Does that make it different then? I'm not so sure. Cause I'm, from what I would thought, I thought there was there was an and way of playing. So do you play that all the time? You know, mm. we're playing Motherwell tomorrow. They've they've made a good start to the season. 
they'll be quite confident. They'll think they'll be thinking we're there for the taking. I think it could be quite an open, expansive game. Would you go there and play beat on the midfield, or would you go there and play your kind of attacking, you know, four three three that he's always been playing? So it's a conundrum. I mean, in terms of the question that you pose about sorrow, I don't see sorrow in the first eleven, and I'm not even sure whether I would, I would bring sorrow on. Uh, and under what circumstance it would actually bring on Soro. So it's a kind of strange one for me, Soro. He was, he was great last year. The last second half of the season, he was very, very good. But he seems to have went back, was it? An alarming rate of notes. And he needs to be streetwise, as Russell said. Maybe he needs to be mentored. That's one of the things I said. Maybe if yeah. Scott Brown had a stayed, I wasn't looking for Scott Brown to make a big contribution on the park. But I think off the park, he could have made a big contribution amongst the players, the new players coming in, helping Ange, you know, that kind of stuff. But hey, well, that's, you know, that's going. Jim, would you consider then, see, just on based on what you said there about Sorrow, would you consider loaning him out in January to another oh, yeah. SPFL side? Aye. Definitely, Russell. Yeah, definitely. Aye. Aye. I think you I want to make a good move. I mean, from, 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 from my point of view, if I, was, if I was picking a team, I'd be looking for your best. Is, 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 is it five in the bench these days or is it eight in the bench? Seven. Is it Seven, nine? is it? Seven or nine. <laughs> Let's call it nine. Right? You want your best 20 players, and that's your best 20 players, that you be able to call on them under any circumstances. And if you've got people on the bench who you're not that confident about, and just harking back to the United game there, when <clears throat> people were wanting uh, Eden Moffat on, you know, get a young boy on. Young boy's never played a competitive game before, so do you risk putting him on? So I want, I want, I want you know, whatever it is, mm-hmm. 19, 20 players who you're confident <clears throat> at any point in time They'll go on the pitch and they'll make a contribution. And we haven't had that this season at all. We're miles away from that. But as Russell said earlier, with the guys coming back, you know, you're maybe getting to that 17, 18, 19 players who you can think, I don't mind who comes on, they'll do a job for us. Whereas with the too many uh, match day squads, you're thinking, well, those four won't get on. I can't see why we'd bring those four guys on, maybe those two or three, and with nothing up front. So things are getting a wee bit better. And I think now, Now's a chance to assess Ange in terms of A, the team he picks, and then once he's picked the team, how good he is with the subs, who he puts on, when he puts them on. So I think this is an interesting phase for Ange, starting tomorrow, because we've dropped points. Very much. Every game is a must-win game, and we can't drop points. And Russell made the point about we're in this, the next five games, what would be acceptable? 15 points. 15 mm. points is acceptable. Maybe drop a couple of points at Hibs, because they're playing really well, but any less than 13, we can forget it, I think. Unless our major rivals uh, continue to ship points that keeps us in it. But but we can't keep looking for them to do his favours. We have to try and take a bit of ownership with us and we have to go on a good run and we have to get that kind of tougher mental strength which will only come by having uh, longer runs. And that's what makes tomorrow's game fascinating, vital, dead exciting. So... It really does make it exciting, as it always is, I think, to get back after the international break. I'm always excited to get back and watch Celtic play, and and especially when we're on the cusp of hopefully going on a good run if the the last couple of games before the the international break end to go by. Um, Before we go on to four trebles, um, Kelvin just brought up that comment from four trebles saying uh, McCarthy needs to up his game, Uh, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Russell, I just wanted to bring up the point that Jim made about um. You've obviously been, you know, a very vocal um, proponent of Ange adapting, changing his game when necessary, making making necessary changes and not being too stubborn in his philosophy. As Jim says there, you know, y- you wonder whether changing his game... Some places take you away. Some bring you together. Marathon does both. Marathon is Florida's family key with something for everyone. You'll find museums and wildlife refuges, wide open beaches, miles of warm, clear water, and the historic Seven Mile Bridge. For more about Marathon, visit flakeys.com slash marathon. I switched to Boost Mobile and got a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone. Want to know the best part? Uh, it was free? Nope. The fact that it's on America's largest 5G networks? Nope. It's the ding. Oh, yeah. Love the ding. Right? It's all about the ding. It's the dingarooski, the dingarona, the ring-a-ding-ding. Unleash your power to save with Boost. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone when you switch. Boost Mobile. Unleash your power. And the ding. 
Limited time offer. New customers only. Available on select networks. 5G not available everywhere. One device per line. Tax excluded. Additional restrictions apply. See your local Boost Mobile store for details. Home and away is something he already does or whether something, whether this philosophy that he's got is something that's rigid to home and away games. What are your thoughts from having watched the team so far? Do you see a difference in the way that we play home and away or do you think it is very much the same philosophy regardless? I thought it was very much the same philosophy regardless until Pataudry. And the inclusion mm-hmm. in your beat on, I felt paid to that. I think, I think as Jim says, I think Ange, you could tell by his reaction after the game, it was a man who was releasing some of the pressure that he'd felt under before kickoff. Um, he knew he'd got a late goal, and you know he showed. Just, I don't mind that. By the way, he's entitled to do that. He's earned his wages that week, you know. He's and he was he was pumped up for it. Fair enough. We would never criticise a manager for that, but I thought it showed. He adapted slightly when he did the beat on inclusion, and I think it was because it needs must. The thing is for me with Angie's philosophy that's he's up against it in a way. Not because I disagree with the philosophy, not because I disagree with his style of football. Never have I said anything like that. But he's up against it because the opposition have won. I was here on the radio the other day. They've won 23 of their last 24 games at home in the league, and they've dro- drawn the other one. It's a staggering that if that's the level of opposition you're against for the title. And it's just realising quickly that when you're dropping points, you're going to get punished. You are going to get punished, unfortunately, you know, a, a, lot, a lot of the time. So I just think when you've not got any of your own backroom staff and you're trying to convey this message almost on a solo mission, because you're obviously trying to explain it to Kennedy and Strachan as well for them to help convey it, but it's new to them. So I just feel like he's he's up against it and trying to get that message, you know, sort of across to the players like that. I think there has to be a bit of patience with that. For me, it would have been substance after being 25 points behind last year and 40 million at stake this year. I would always go substance and then add your style after. Get points on the board, get credit in the bank, and then let's see your philosophy once you've got everyone buying into you. And that's not just the players, that's the fans as well. You know, but I think right now, I thought I think my my honest opinion was he maybe just got it a wee bit the wrong way around. And he maybe I felt a pathology. I'm not saying he made wholesale changes or anything like that, but the inclusion of Beaton was very much you put a line under that and you went, That is the, the key change he's made to the midfield. He has given it balance that, that there wasn't before. Colin made a great point. He went, he's picked a six, an eight, and a ten today, instead of two mm-hmm. tens and a six. You know, and it, and that was the difference. And it gave us so much, so much more balance. And even though we were under the cost second half, now I joked at the start of the show, when we concede one, we concede two. We conceded one, yes, at Petaudry, but I don't think we were going to concede two. I know we were we were under it for a bit. And I get what Jim says. He doesn't like the term winning ugly. There was another stat about uh, the other team's title win last season, in the second half of the season. And it was the number of one nils that they won after New Year to the end of the season. I can't remember the number, but the only thing I would push back on is it's not lucky when it happens that many times. And I think results like Pataudry could sometimes be a good habit to get in when you know you're under the cost, but you know you can still win games when you're not playing well. I feel it's the first time we've shown that. I think other times when we've not played well, we've kind of crumbled, whereas I think that'll give them strength and more resolve. By all means, I want us to play like that. No, I'm not saying that. Like that second half display was not good enough, but it will give them a source of belief and it will give them now a, 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 a point that they can look back to and go, well, remember when we didn't play well before? We dug out a result then. Let's do it again. So like, hopefully it's just brought on a mentality shift. That's what I'm hoping for. A mentality shift is certainly what will be required. Um, uh, and I think that that's something we'll come on to talk about when we get to the opposition uh, that we're facing at the weekend. But before we do that... Uh, just want to say thank you to everybody for watching. Thank you for those who have subscribed. If you haven't done already, then please go onto our YouTube channel and subscribe to a state of mind where we've got football content, we've got other content, including music um, and other chat that's on there. We're always trying to expand, as Jim says, shaking things up and bringing you new content every single week um, to try and make sure that we keep this community growing so that we can have more nights like last night, which is all down to you for giving us those votes, for making, um, for giving us some form of recognition for the work that us and more importantly Paul John has put in to build up this platform that we all enjoy being a part of. Um, 
Jim, I'll come to you. Uh, Motherwell, do you think they pose us a problem? Obviously, independent of the fact that that we kind of don't know what kind of team is going to come out uh, for us every week. What do you see in Motherwell that might cause us particular issues uh, at the weekend? Well, you can't be any worse than Aberdeen. So I think that I think we're, we're facing a far tougher team uh, tomorrow than we did up at Petoji. They made a good start to the season. They're a point ahead of us. Graham Alexander's doing a half-decent job there. Uh, they'll lose their confidence. I said earlier, they'll fancy their chances tomorrow. They'll think, you know, this is a good time to get us. We're still not finding all cylinders. Uh, it's an away game as well. Uh, it could be one of those kind of Ange roller coaster games. You know, if it is an open, expansive game, then there could be, be lots of goals tomorrow. Hopefully, hopefully we'll go with them and we play well and we win well. Uh, but I think it'll be a tough, tough game tomorrow. And because of the added pressure of you, you can't afford another slip, that just adds to it as well. And, and because, it, you, again, just harking by, all these players are fairly new to Celtic. They don't know what Celtic mm. is about. This is a must-win game tomorrow. And every game they're now playing, it's a must-win game. You know, that's a lot of pressure, particularly for some of the younger players coming into this. You know, and that's why it's good. Maybe Forrest is coming back. Maybe Julian's coming back. Juranovic is coming back. More experienced players, you know, you can cope with that kind of pressure. Because that's, that's what you—that's what you don't see as a fan, and maybe don't understand as a fan what the pressure must be like to have to to have to face that. So, uh, I think we're in for a tough, tough game tomorrow. I'm a bit concerned about about tomorrow for the Aberdeen game. I'm a bit concerned. Yeah, but, but hopefully we can do it. Yeah, I, I totally agree about the standard of Aberdeen. I mean, I'd heard that they hadn't played well this season, but I was really shocked at the the, the level of their, their play. Like, I, I'd heard so many good things. Obviously, they'd got Scott Brown in, they'd got Ramirez in, they'd get Declan Gallagher in. I was expecting a much stronger opposition from them, yeah. and when we didn't when we didn't get it, I was shocked and kind of surprised at, at the level of it. Russell, your opinion on going to Fir Park, obviously it's another away game for us. It's a, a situation in which we've struggled before. Jim alluded to the fact that it might be, you know, back and forth. Do you see the game going that way? Will it be a tighter affair than that? Do you think there'll be less goals or do you think it'll be that gung-ho style we've become used to this season? Dare I say it might be a slobber knocker tomorrow, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I agree with Jim to be honest with you I think it could be good well up end to end I think Motherwell's attacking prowess with Tony Watt and Dutch striker whose name evades me I think they are they are looking pretty lethal uh, Tony Watt was getting mentioned perhaps even a Scotland call-up such as he's form been he seems to have found a club where you know he's actually going to have some sort of longevity at which is good because you always want to see, you know, ex-Celtic players that have given you fantastic memory, perhaps. Um, you know, <laughs> you, want, you always want to see them do well, though, do you know what I mean? Um, as for, you know, Graham Alexander's went in there, I think he's been pretty unassuming. Um, and then before you know it, no, not much expectation of Motherwell this season, potentially maybe pushing for a top six spot. Now they find themselves, you know, after the last international break, still, still head to Celtic on merit. Not with games in hand or, anything, or with us with games in hand or anything like that. So it's a task we've got to take seriously. But at the end of the day, with the resources we've got available to us, um, the quality we're going to have in the park, it really should be all about Celtic and what we do. And if we play to our capabilities, then we should win the match. If this was a European match that Celtic were up against a big, a big giant, the disparity would probably be lesser than what it is between our wage budget and Motherwell's. Right, because we've got players on twenty times the wages that they will. You know, we don't play. We a lot of the teams we play don't have players on twenty times the wages, and you still get the better of us in Europe. So I think there's a disparity there in terms of the resources, in terms of the tools. I think we're on a positive note from the result at Aberdeen. It's about what Celtic do. Let's go get three points. We'll need it. I think also a lot of the fact that they went to Ibrox and took a point from Ibrox and they're playing us and we are, as I said not firing all cylinders from a confidence point of view. They'll be, they'll be very confident tomorrow. Yeah, I think they will be. Duncan Cameron on YouTube says uh, Celtic should not uh, not ever have anything to fear from Motherwell. I do agree, Duncan, but as, as Jim Russell and I have said, I think there's plenty evidence to suggest that we should be cautious. But yeah, a Celtic team should always be confident against Motherwell. And we will go into it hoping for, yeah. for a win, but uh, we have to... 
because as Jim says, every every game is a must-win game this season. Um, I don't think it's about fear, though. I don't think anything's about fear. I mean, I think you're just realistically yeah. looking at the situation and saying, where are we? We're a point behind them. They're playing with confidence. So will it be a hard game? I think it will be. Hopefully it won't be. Hopefully we win the game quite convincingly. But you're just looking at the facts and saying, we are where we are. They're where mm-hmm. they are. And therefore it's going to be a tough game. But nothing to do with fear. I mean, nobody fears games. Yeah. <laughs> There's not going to be any lines in there, is there? <laughs> Unless we're going to Barcelona, PSG, then 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 you fear, you know, seven gold jobbins. That's a different thing, but uh, yeah. Aye, that's that's true. Tony Watt is no Neymar. I'll give him that. But th- talking of talking of Tony Watt, Jim and, and and Russell talked about it. He seems to find a home at Motherwell. He seems to be living up to some of that potential that we talked about. I was there on that night in two thousand. 12 when he gave is the memory that, that Russell alludes to, that goal against Barcelona. I'm sure you were there as well. And I remember that night them saying to him, you know, kind of questions along the lines of, is this going to be the biggest moment of your career? And he, obviously a, a young 19-year-old as he was at the time, he didn't think so, but it turns out that it might have been. What do you think it is about him that, you know, that he maybe didn't fit in at Celtic and has struggled to find a home. And what do you think it is about Motherwell that seems to be suiting him so well? Ugh, I don't know. You had lots of stories which we wouldn't go into today, but I just think he's one of these guys where, as a Celtic fan, you're, you're, you're desperate for some young Scottish guy. I know he didn't come through the academy and signed for Mairdry, was it? For, for yeah, yeah. 50 grand or something. You're desperate for young Scottish guys to play up front and score goals. That, that's what you want. That's the kind of people like me who have seen lots of things. You get back to the days of Charlie Nicholas, stuff like that. And and people were so excited when, when Charlie Nicholas was in the team. Young guys scoring goals, did glamorous, good fun. Stay here forever, Charlie. And he leaves really quickly. And since those days, we've been desperate for somebody, young guy coming through the system. I mean, they scored that night against Barcelona. You're thinking he could be it. He could be here for the next four or five years, scoring goals for fun. If you score against Barcelona, there's no reason why you can't go to first part and score goals, you know. So, <laughs> so he was so keen for him to do well, and for whatever reason, it didn't quite work out for him. And, and that's, I mean, that's football for you. I mean, football is a very competitive uh, game. I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of people who are who never make it, who are a lot better than Tony Watt. So, you know, it's just a luck at times, maybe some injuries, maybe not getting picked in certain games. And, and I've said before, we kind of, you know, one moment can change a game. One game can change a season. One moment could actually change a life. Mm. You know, Tommy, Tony Watt came from nowhere to score that goal. And who knows, that could have just went and made him go. He didn't go. He just went kind of like sideways and down a wee bit type of thing. But mm-hmm. who knows how these things work out. But I'm sure I mean, football is, is, is littered with football players who, who could, should have been, you know, better than they were, achieved more than they did. And maybe a lot of that just comes down to luck, you know. Uh, so we'll never really know the answer to that. And maybe Tony himself doesn't actually know the answer to that. It's just, you know, that's life at times, you know? I'm, I'm sure he, he probably doesn't know the answer, but yeah, I think he's, um, I, I think even even with that goal, he's probably had a better career than he would have had without it. You know, he's had some opportunities in, in Belgium and, and, and that kind of thing that raised his profile. And like you say, Changed his life uh, for the better, even if it didn't work out at Celtic. Um, Russell, what are your memories of Tony Watt in a Celtic shirt, and what do you see in him now? Is he the same player that you've seen previously? I remember him having a great first touch and great pace, as well as the mm-hmm. finishing. Um, but you know, he, he does seem a little bit of a different player now. What, what's your assessment on that? I remember being at Far Park when he scored two against Motherwell for Celtic. <laughs> so hopefully that's not an omen, Laura. Um, and, and, he, and his finishing was excellent then. I, I always remember thinking he was dead calm in front of goal. Dead mm. calm for someone so young, and I thought that would stand him in good stead. My genuine opinion on Tony Watt is he's took chances, and for there's two sides to that. You've got to admire it in a way. I can't remember the Dutch, the, the Belgian team, sorry, that he initially went to, but his form was so good. Was it Charleroi? Might have been. Anyway, I don't know yeah. how to pronounce that. I was winging that. I he, played I no for, idea. he played for Charleroi and Standard Liège in, in well, Standard Liège came in from after one season because, you know, they're one of the big guns and because mm. he'd impressed that much. You know, I think he did a decent spell at Charlton as well. And he was bought by or, or loaned to several clubs in the English Championship, sort of League One. He was, you know, which is a decent standard. You don't get moves to these clubs, you know, 
for nothing. I think there's always been a player there. I just think he's never settled. I think he's obviously got quite a strong personality. Maybe there's good traits to that. Maybe there's some bad. I don't know because I don't know him at all. Um, so sometimes it just can be a, a you know, the, the thing is with Motherwell, he's getting regular first-team football. So he's feeling, you know, wanted. He's feeling part of it. He's been playing as captain as well. He's also came to an age in his life where he's obviously he's married now. He's maybe got, I don't know if he's got kids or that, but he's at an age in his life where maturity takes over. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he does in the next couple of years. I wouldn't be surprised to see him leave a Motherwell and go to maybe, I think he's been at Hearts before, maybe at a Hearts or an Aberdeen or a Hibs. Just slightly that wee bit of a bit bigger budget and a team that can maybe compete for Europe regularly. I'm not saying Motherwell can't, I just mean, you know what I mean? Like if there was a tier above Motherwell, but not Celtic and, you know, Rangers or whatever, you would say Hibs, Hearts, Aberdeen would sort of be in the bracket. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be, you know, beyond the realms of possibility that he could maybe make that mm. step up. Um, whether it be you know maybe next summer or something like that, but he's definitely something we need to have an eye on tomorrow anyway. Eh, Sunday, sorry, anyway. I think also, yeah. Laura, that ninety percent of football is mental. It's mm. going to how you how you think, and and the high he must have been on from scoring that goal against Barcelona, and thinking what happens next with me, and then all of a sudden he's going all around Europe playing for different teams. He's, he's down south, so, and that's very unsettling. So you must wonder, you know, I'm ever going to make it in this kind of game. I could have been this, now I'm this. You know, so, you know, tough, tough times when you're actually playing for all these different teams. Now not even playing from the start. Maybe you're a sub and thinking, am I ever going to get a game? And I think he, he has found a place in Motherwell where he looks pretty settled. And as Russell said, if he's now married and kind of settling down a bit, and obviously he's older as well. And once you're older then, you've seen a lot of things. Once you're older then... You know, you, you do become a wee bit smarter and you do look at the bigger picture and all this sort of stuff and, and you do welcome and appreciate things you maybe didn't do before. So maybe he's just a wee bit more mature now. Yeah. And I, I totally agree with Russell. I think he could do a job for a much bigger team, uh, including us. Yeah, including us. Yeah, who knows? Maybe there's a maybe there's a homecoming on the cards, another Cristiano Ronaldo type, although not quite the same. Well, I um, think... I think, I think uh, we could have done much worse at the start of the season because at the start of the season, I felt it'd be good to get a number of ex-Celts in because we did bodies and then at least you would know what you were getting. I thought people like Charlie Mulgrew, for instance, I know a lot of people would be saying no, never, but I thought he'd be somebody who, you know, you could play him left back, you could play him centre back, he's experienced, good free kick, da, da, da. and one or two others. Maybe Tony Watt is maybe somebody that, and I know a lot of fans would can balk at that, mm. but you compare Tony Watt to a Yeti, say, you know, yeah. Yeah. so anyway, that's no, I, th- I, I think there's, I think there's certainly something in that. I don't think he'd be the worst option for us. I'm just sitting here panicking that uh, this is going to get clipped up, and I've just compared Tony Watt to Cristiano Ronaldo. But there you go. <laughs> um, Pat O on YouTube says uh, Tony Watt is just Mark Burchill with less embarrassing hair. I don't know what was up with Mark Burchill's hair. I thought he, I thought he was well kempt, to be honest. But you know. Scored against Rangers. That's all. Back. That's all I'm bothered about. So, um, going back to the earlier point that four trebles brought up, and and Jim, you mentioned it earlier about um, James McCarthy. A lot of people seem to think he might start tomorrow, um, just because of options that might be restricted because of the international football and things. You mentioned earlier he's not had a chance to fully show what he's about in a Celtic shirt yet. What do you think the reasons might be behind that? And there's lots of reasons behind that. I think maybe getting up to fitness is one. I think getting used to playing for Celtic is another one. And what I've said in previous podcasts, we need every single player to be a seven out of ten in every single mm. game. And if you're not, excuse me, if you're not a seven out of ten, we should have enough players now to start making those changes. So I don't mind starting James McCarthy, but if he's not performing at the level we need to, then we need to do something different from that. I, I'm, I'm not a big James McCarthy fan. I haven't mm. seen enough yet, and, and I've never seen enough of James McCarthy in the past. I mean, I think I remember seeing him playing at Hamilton, which was a long, long time ago. So I think that's unfair of me to, mm. to make that comment. But there's been two or three times this season when I felt he <clears throat> goes back a bit too much for me. And then one of the one of the talking points about the Dundee United game was the penalty they should have got. And then people said, ah, but Staffel get fouled. Who passed the ball back to him? Didn't pass the ball back to him. He, he fired the ball at Starfield. Yeah. It was James Carthy. You know, so, you know, I think he's got a bit to go. Uh, I'd like to see him make it to Celtic 
he's on a long-term contract. Uh, but I think he's one of these players, and I'm just guessing here, that we needed bodies in. And if you look at what he's done in the game, and you're Ange Postacoglu, you might think, well, you know, he's, he's got a decent, you know, uh, uh, a decent pass record. Get him in, get Joe Hart in, get Starfield in. I'm not sure a lot of these guys are bad as well. I need to put that in. I'm not sure that <laughs> a lot of these guys are any signings, but if we didn't sign players, then we're going to go with 19-year-old centre-halves. So I think you had to get people in the door. Whether James McCarthy is one of his players, I'm not so sure. Because I'm not so sure also, does he play the type of kind of like, you know, fast-moving type of football that Andrew wants to play? He's another one of these guys you may want to bring on to kind of show up a game. So we've got all these subs who you bring on to show up the game. Uh, so I think he's got a bit to go, James McCarthy. And I'd love him to make it. He's obviously a big, big Celtic fan. And you want him to make it. And he's done enough in the past to show that he should be able to make it. And he's got a four-year contract. So he needs to start putting in seven out of ten performances on a consistent basis. And he needs to play 30, 35, 40 games a season. Because he's won big money. He's one of the highest people at the club. He needs to perform. So I don't think he'll play tomorrow. Uh, I think he'll start with Beaton again. But but, as far as James McCarthy question goes, he needs to start performing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he does, and hopefully he will. Robert Heinlein on YouTube says, let's bring back Bertie Old, which I'm sure you'd be a fan of, Jim. Um, speaking of which, uh, I believe your your play, Bend It Like Bertie, has got another uh, night coming up in November, oh, is that right? Shameless plug, yeah, we're back in the 13th of November, one night only, uh, at the Beacon Arts Centre in Greenock. So I believe tickets are selling really well, so it's a one night only. So, you know... Be there, be square, as we said in the 60s. So there you go. Absolutely. <laughs> so if you live around that area or you fancy a wee road trip to Greenwich, it's not that far away. Greenwich just Aye. down the road. Just down the Aye. road. Go for it. Go for it. I've heard good reports about Bendit like Bertie from no. everybody that went when it was on up in Glasgow. So I'm sure it's it would be a night to remember. Des McLean's a genius. So, so go down and see Des McLean's a genius. Absolutely. Um, that's definitely something for folk to do, especially now we're allowed out. And doing also, and it's on an international break, so no Celtic, no problem. Get down there for your, for your Celtic we'll fix. There you go. The, pl- the planning is immaculate there. That's absolutely, absolutely fantastic. But don't just throw this together. It's all meticulously planned out. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Russell... We've we've got um, not only uh, the Motherwell game coming up, we're going to be playing in Europe again against Ferenc Faros uh, uh, coming up. Looking ahead a little bit to the Europa League, what are you hoping to get out of Europe um, now that, you know, between now and, and Christmas, we're going to know exactly where we stand as far as Europe's concerned. Are you looking for qualification from the group? The, the conference, is that an option? Do you think we can get either of those or is it just good performances you're looking for? Well, I think this is where people tie themselves up in knots with the whole Europe argument discussion because on one hand, you were here in Europe was a free pass. This year, we needed to focus on the league. The league wasn't going right and we decided that, well, we really we should, if we take Europe seriously, then the league will follow. I think we need to take both competitions as seriously as each other. I don't see any reason why Celtic can't finish second in that group, whether they've lost the first two matches or not. We need to try. I appreciate everything that Kev McCluskey said yesterday when he came on the show and gave us even more insight into Friday, as they're called over there. He says there'll be absolutely no pushovers, but Celtic's budget, I'm sure, is bigger than Friday's, you know, and I think that we have to be looking to get six points from the next two games. Betis, we've seen the chinks in their armour. Albeit, yes, they went when they scored their four goals in a row, we looked, you know, like we were on our backs, you know, they were all over us. But we did see enough chinks in their armour to think that at home, surely if we took a 2-0 lead early on again, for example, I'm not saying that that's necessarily going to happen, but for example, if we were to, you'd like to think at home with the fans on our side, we would just be a bit tighter and we wouldn't just, you know, completely spontaneously combust like we did over in Seville, but I think that, you know, and even even the Leverkusen game, I mean, that's probably the least likely, but I still think we should be going for second and trying to remain in the Europa League and at the very least dropping into the Conference League. Before you know it, people's expectations are getting lowered all the time and that is my concern, Laura, that we start continually lowering expectations and before you know it, it's, 
well, as long as we finish second in the conference group next season, you know, that'll be all right. And I, I can't even bother with that. You know, mm-hmm. I want the club to recognise that the last nine years, they've made an absolute mess of getting in to the Champions League when they had the Champions route nine years in a row and they made it three times. It's not a good enough ratio. It should have been five, six times. I think it would be more palatable for me. And if you've mm-hmm. done that, then that means the years that you don't make it, the Europa League's easier to can compete in because the club is far mm-hmm. more cash-rich. It has attracted better players in the first place. And it all you know, all fo- follows on from that. It's a snowball effect. Whereas right now, if we keep lowering these expectations, I worry, I worry that the downsizing continues and you know the, the, the product we see on the pitch gets lesser and lesser. And again, if we're to start, you know, you know, aspiring for third place in the Europa League. I just I find that a wee bit of a concern, if I'm honest. We've got to be going for the second spot at the very least. Yeah. Um, Jim, you've you've been a total component of Europe being where it's at, Europe being the sign of progression. Domestically, we can do everything that we can, but ultimately we, we have the resources that domestic football should take care of itself. So I take it you're mostly in agreement with what Russell's saying as far as those targets are concerned? A total component. It's one of you are going with that, yeah. But that's OK, that's <laughs> fine. Uh, as someone who's seen lots of things, <laughs> European game at half past three on a Tuesday afternoon is completely and utterly bonkers. The world has gone mad, basically, to have to go to that game on Tuesday afternoon, people taking time off work, etc., etc. Russell's a bit more optimistic than I am. I think we're in a dogfight for that conference uh, slot, so we can hear what the conference theme tune sounds like. Uh, I think Betis love too much for us and Bayer have got too much for us. And uh, although it pains me to say this, I think uh, we're in a dogfight with them. And uh, as Kevin said yesterday, this crowd with no pushovers. You know, they they push Betis and they push Bayer. Uh, they push Bayer much, much, uh, much closer than we did. So I think it'll be a tough, tough game. And Tuesday, again, another one of these games that might be a draw, settled by a goal. I think. And similar when we go there, it'll be pretty similar. Uh, I just think the other teams are going to be just a bit too strong. They'll put, I think they'll put enough points on the board that we'll end up in being a third. And uh, if we could take four points off Ferencvaras over the, over the two games, I, I think maybe that should be enough, hopefully, uh, to get us that conference place. But the whole thing is bizarre that, you know, you chucked out the Champions League, you go in Europa, you chuck out Europa, you're in the conference, and what's next? Dalkeith, mm. you know, so, it can, you know, it's kind of, the whole thing's a wee bit mad for me, but I, I still can't get my head around this half past the, on a Tuesday afternoon, that's just, you know, every season, every season something happens in football and you think, no, that can't be right. Next year's World Cup in December, no, that, that can't be right. You know, so just, we are who we are, you know, that stuff. But as someone who's seen a lot of football over a lot of time, you just keep thinking, if somebody had suggested this, you know, 20, 30 years ago, they'd be saying, don't be silly. But it's just the way mm. things have worked out. But to answer the question... I think we'll do well to make the conference uh, because I think there'll be two, two tough, two tough games against Ferencvaros, and I think the other teams are just a wee bit too much quality for both ourselves and Ferencvaros, and and that's not been fearful, as the person said earlier. I think that's just been kind of realistic, and uh, I do think Europe's where it's at. And I think we should be building a team for Europe. Another thing, maybe just to mention, though, it's suddenly occurred to me is that the most important date in the football calendar for Celtic should be our first Champions League qualifier. Hmm. Everything should be geared to that. We should have the squad in place, the management in place, and everything in place yes. to give it a go. And if we fail, we fail. But everything should be there. You know, and I've heard people talk about, about the January window and maybe we might do this, maybe we do We should have a firm plan and what we're doing in January because we have to give the Champions League a decent go next year if we don't qualify automatically, yeah. which we've still a good chance of doing. But uh, what was the question? I. Conference League for me, yeah. <laughs> Conference League, yeah. That's who he is. Yeah, uh, it's it's a strange one just to close out. So I think I think everything that Jim says there's right, and as he said many times before, a Scottish team that's regularly competing in the Champions League and uh, you know having the funds that that brings and the pl- the player quality that that brings, you almost don't need to worry about the domestic football if you are taking care of the European football because one hand washes the other, doesn't it? Absolutely, that's why we shouldn't be looking at any European campaign as a free pass. Couldn't agree more. Absolutely. Um, 
Thank you very much, Jim and Russell. I nearly said Jim and Tony out of habits there, but Tony has obviously been in London as well. (laughs) Uh, Jim and Russell, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you to everybody in the comments. Almost couldn't read out most of them. We were getting so many of them scrolling through it, and that is just a testament again to everybody watching this show who voted for us and made us the best international podcast, best club content podcast and a bronze medal in the best charitable campaign. We can't thank you enough for bringing those awards our way. We hope that the content we're providing for you um, is worthy of those awards and uh, hopefully we'll be able to bring you much more over the next year. Uh, Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Russell. Thank you, everybody. This has been a Celtic State of Mind and we will see you for the match coverage this weekend. and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's E-A-S-Y to 203-203. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.